0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, it's kind of a muggy day here in San Francisco. How is it in New York?
2: Um, it's definitely overcast. I don't know if it's muggy because it's cold, but it's definitely overcast today. Hmm. It, it looks like a grief day, basically.
1: <laughs> well, right? it's, yeah, Well, that's good. I, I'm liking our guest because I think she's going to be uplifting. She's done some reinventing of herself and we love that aspect, don't we?
2: I loved it. I looked at her stuff and I thought this is great. She's reinvented herself three times <laughs> from occupational therapist to social worker and to writer. It's, it's wonderful to see it.
1: And all uh, after the death of a spouse. So, uh, Heidi, why don't you introduce our guest?
2: Okay, I'd love to. Our guest today is Judy Schreiber Mosier. And Judy felt that with the death of her husband, Lauren, her world had ended. But over time, she found that the world transformed due to her willingness to ceremonially disperse his ashes around the world, learn to eat, sleep, and travel alone, and eventually date. She is the author of Tincture of Time and How to Cope with the Death of a Partner. Welcome to the show, Judy.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here.
1: It's great to have you on the show. And uh, tell us a little bit about the beginning of your journey. Your, your husband, Lauren, died of liver cancer?
3: He died of liver cancer. He got pardon <clears throat> diagnosed in this, let's say, April. And then we looked for many treatments, and he was not pleased with any of the treatments here, so we did some experimental treatments in Germany. Went to Germany actually on Father's Day, which was June 19th, and he died July 15th in Germany.
1: Oh, my goodness. That was nine years ago.
3: Yeah, it was nine years ago, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really quick, from diagnosis to death. It's very quick. And, you know, the people who have a long time um, think they like it quick, and the people who have a quick time wish it was longer. Huh. Um, that, that's,
2: that's a good point. There's no... Easy way for us to lose somebody.
3: No, no, they just, yeah, they, they it, it, no matter when it is, it's a loss, no matter how old the person is, it's a loss. Um, yeah. but life goes on.
1: And how did it go on for you? You know, you had to get him back from Germany and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it must had have to been,
3: back from... <laughs> well, thank God for, I guess it's kind of black humor. I did have to get him back from Germany. Um, he was cremated in Germany, <clears throat> pardon me, and then I. T- took him on the plane with me, held him in my lap, and got through some funny experiences at security, and came home to an empty house, and loads and loads of mail, and uh, being alone, and very sad, um, thinking that life would end, and I guess I didn't realize that life would begin, and I did what I think most widows do, you cry every night, you keep the picture close by, and Little by little and very little by little, the pain eases a bit and get rid of the clothes. And uh, th- I think the thing that was most, probably most therapeutic for me was, in fact, taking the ashes everywhere. I made many trips and met friends who loved my husband. And uh, together we laughed about what was and threw the ashes where they needed to be. And each time that was a letting go. Of course, you never totally let go, but it certainly was a letting go.
1: Wow, interesting! Tell us uh, about the ashes going through security.
3: Oh, that was hilarious! German security was fine <clears throat> because the undertaker took me through that, and then I got to the um, security checkpoint in Chicago, and I just put the baggie with, with a little look like a freezer bag with the ashes, and there was a big, big African American woman who looked like she could enfold you in her arms, and she kept putting this bag back and forth through the security. Camera and finally she said, Is them ashes, honey? And I just start to cry and I said, Yes, they are. And she said, We'll just go right on through. And, and, and you know, and you meet people like that along the way who remind you that humanity is wonderful and uh, hope is there.
1: And, and there's yeah. some humor in it, I should say, too.
3: Oh, there's a lot of humor in it. I, I dropped ashes at the Metropolitan Opera because <clears throat> we went there a lot. And when I Got back to my seat. The guy next to me said, "What did you do? Bring a beach in here?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, no, know what you're talking about. Not me. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a uh, lot of. You. I mean, that that to me was the most amazing thing. And, uh, you know, it's a ho- it's a horribly sad loss, and it's a huge loss. Yeah. But there are funny parts of it. You just can't. You can't not. Uh, you just can't. Well, not and I-, I love how you took Warren's ashes everywhere.
2: That is such a cool yeah. ritual, and scattered them in all these amazing places.
3: Yes, in Hawaii, where we had a condo in the Grand Canal in Venice, where I think we went on our for me my first trip to Europe in Rome with some friends um, who wanted some for their um, pots so that the plants would grow. And yeah, in the backyard like in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well. There's a tell me, tell me about of putting
2: the ashes in a pot so plants will grow. Is that true? Do they grow better no. with the ashes?
3: No, I don't think they so. Don't. I think he. No. I, I honestly, I have no idea. I think he just wanted to do that. That was his way of keeping Lauren around because they were pretty close. I love
2: from. it. I love it that growth yeah. is coming out of that.
3: Yes. You know, something's grow. growing. up. Yep, absolutely. And uh, making sure the wind when you're throwing them in the beach doesn't go in your face so they come back in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of growth. And I, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, people will say it sounds silly, but, you know, I took them everywhere for a long time. Even on my first trip alone, I took them with me and then dropped them in the Adriatic Sea. Um,
1: how long, how long before you, um, After he died, did you start traveling? Uh, Did you feel well enough to, or or strong enough or what would you call it?
3: Enough um, enough of what to uh, get out? Probably um, strong enough knowing that if I started to go out on my own, I didn't have to forget him. He would always be a part of me, but that I needed to make a life for myself. I think it was... I would say about a year. I mean, I I did things like movies by myself, and then I I learned to eat at a bar because that's where people would talk, whereas Mm -hmm. for me, if I sat at a table, it just felt lonely. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think it was about a year that I went on my first big trip by myself, Um, really by myself, not the ashes, but on a a big trip to to Croatia. Um,
1: And... Did you do a tour, or did you go by really by your, you know, totally?
3: I went. No, I did it. I did a tour. It was a small tour, uh-huh. but I did a tour. Uh-huh. Um, and um, but I went there a couple of days by my, you know, beforehand, and and did did the the uh, the tickets, which he used to do. You know, every step is like, I mean, kind of like, oh. Um, whatever word you want to put in it, now I have to make the reservations by myself. You know, he used to do that. Now I have to do this by myself. But you learn, and then each time you do it, you get stronger, and, you know, you, you, your well, heart gets bigger. And You're, you're making a good
2: point, Judy, because sometimes we don't realize all the roles our spouses play until they're not there anymore. Those right. little things, like you're saying, how we navigate trips together, what they do, what you do, et cetera.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things.
2: Tell
1: us. I know some of our audience out there is wondering about dating. What about dating?
3: Um, Well, do you want me to go backwards from from the best part where my life is now, or do you want
1: me to go forward? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Where the best?
3: Okay. The best part is actually unbelievable to me is that I am now living with a man whom I love very much and who loves me. Um, It's nine years for sure, and. the dating part was really, really hard for me because I've never been a huge—I mean, I've never just gone out a lot. Just, I've always been lucky and met people, and then, you know, had a good relationship. But what I did was, you know, I took a deep breath. I told a couple of friends, and they introduced me to a couple of men who were just horrible um, from my point of view.
1: And now, how and long then, after how long after uh, Lauren so died was this?
3: That was probably a year as well. Okay, I bet, I bet that was a year. And then I did uh, Match.com for a couple of times, and that didn't work for me. And then I'm Jewish, so I did j and mm-hmm. that was hilarious because I ended up meeting the first cousin of my ex-husband, so that didn't oh work my for gosh. me. <laughs> and Whoa. Then, um, <laughs> that was <funny. laughs> And then I just, oh, then I did Let's Do Lunch because I thought that would force me to go out. It would be easy, and I really needed practice. I needed to, to know how to sit down with a man and, and if, have lunch. And Judy is.
2: Let's do lunch. I've never heard of that. Is that like speed dating, where you go and just it's, have lunch and they leave?
3: No, it's 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 like a matchmaking thing. You pay for it basically. They take your they take your profile and they fix, they basically fix you up and make the. They say you know we'd like you to meet so and so. And is that okay with you? And then they set up where you're going to meet. And it's always for lunch. And if it works, fine. If it doesn't, fine. But, you know, you get practice sitting down talking to someone and either knowing immediately that it's not going to work or thinking, well, maybe there should be a second date as well as the, the man. Oh, I like um, so that. That was, that was great practice. Actually, that was mm-hmm. practice. And then um, I met David. Actually, I met him. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, two years after Lauren died, we met at a party, and that was that. And then... Three years ago, we met at the same party. And now we, you know, we went out and dated, and now we're living together in a wonderful new life. And Lauren is still part of my life, and his ex wife is part of our, you know, I mean, you just expand your family and you expand your heart. There's
1: uh, always room. I love that you expand your heart. How did you decide to take your ring off?
3: Oh, uh, um, yeah, that was a hard one. I. Uh, I thought about it, and I kept thinking, and some of this this is in the book, of course, but if I wasn't married, why did I wear a ring? And if I was married, should I wear the ring? And was I still married, even though Lauren was died? And then, honestly, one day, I think, I I don't know exactly the time, but I would say probably six months to a year, I just said, okay. I just felt right, and I thought, I'm not married. Again, he's always part of my heart. I don't need the ring to remind me, but I'm not married. Mm -hmm. And... um, I went to a jeweler and had it remade for my other hand, and mm-hmm. for a while, my, my ring finger felt very, very empty, um, mm-hmm. and then it felt, you know, then it was, then it was okay. Um, that was a very hard decision when, when I went to the jeweler, actually, to start to cry, but, you know. Crying is part of the letting go process and Again for hard. our
1: audience, how long was that ago? Was I mean how long after did you decide on the ring?
3: I think probably a year, okay. six months to a year. But it it um,
2: feels like, you know, with the time factor you just kind of checked in with yourself and said, For me right now it feels like it's time
3: to move it off the left hand. Right. And I think that's a really important point. There is no calendar, there is no mm-hmm. timetable either for grieving or for going out or for some people will not want to have another mate and that's good. Um, some people, I, of course, it was a different generation, but I know my mom wore her wedding, wedding ring for the 20 years after my dad died. Um, some people wear it around their neck and it's the, uh, there's no timetable. Every Everyone's grief is personal and everyone's growth is personal. And mm-hmm. I think just to put, that also helped me was a bereavement group.
1: Oh, I was um, just going to ask you about that. If you'd recommend I, that. I
3: tr- yes, I tried one out and that was awful because people were talking about some of their animals, which I know are very important, but at that point, it was hard for me to, to understand that. But then I found, through a hospice, I found a wonderful uh, group and I went to it for a year and the women were all different women, all in the same boat and we laughed and cried and helped each other and it was great. I really looked forward to that. And um, it did. Again, it 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 just allowed me to help other people. And when I went in there, I, in there were all these women who were so kind and helped me. And well, I, again, well, Judy, and you're making a good point because
2: you're basically saying. I mean, I feel like the message out there is also shop around. If the first group doesn't work for you. Find exactly. another one that's
1: a better fit. Right, and, and exactly. I would I would suggest, too, that you now look on the Internet with the Michelle Neff Hernandez group, uh, Soaring Spirits Foundation, because the Internet really, she has um, conferences, but she also has things going on on the Internet where you can communicate uh, with other bereaved people, which uh, and, and along,
2: the, the W Connection is also an organization that has support groups for bereaved widows all over the country and widowers.
1: Alright, so there are a couple of those. So um, tell us, if you had some advice for uh, bereaved men out there and women, what would it be?
3: It would be listen to your heart, um, cry as long as you need to, and know that life goes on if you let it, and that you're not being um, unfair or to the person who died if you let other people in your heart.
1: Oh, I love it. Thank you. And I and I want to tell people about your books because uh, one of them, this uh, How to Cope with the Death of a Partner, is really a, a pretty small, but it's really quickly you can pick up some some tips for yourself if you're wondering about. And we don't have time to cover it all in the show. How, what to do with the clothes? You know how to deal with being alone. I mean, uh, these books are just great. They'll be great for you. And then the Tinkature of time, living through grief to hope. And then she's got another. A calendar a remembrance calendar Stars who brighten the face of heaven And I don't know who did the color of your books and all that But they're so beautiful They're vibrant oh, blue you. and energizing just like you are And uh, I hope everybody out there who's had a loss will visit that And then you've got a website?
3: Yes, it's www.soteriapress.com S as in Sam, O, T is in Thomas E-R-I-A, Press Right. And so, Tyria, just to connect everything in a big circle, was the name of a research project my late husband was involved in.
1: Oh. Ah. So, what did he yeah, do? That's you know. interesting.
3: He was a psychiatrist uh-huh. um, who believed in talking more and medicating less. Ah. Love him. We need him. Lauren,
2: thank you. Lauren, <laughs> thank you for that message from up above. It's so needed right now.
1: Absolutely. I know. <laughs> It I is. Know, know. Well, thank you, Judy, so much for being on the show today and for the, your books and uh, for your spirit and for all you've done for the world.
3: You're welcome. And thank you for having me. And everybody out there, just take care of yourselves first.
2: <sighs> Thanks, Judy.
1: Heidi, uh, great person, right? Really.
2: Oh, I love her. And I love her message that your life doesn't end, it transforms. And I just want to say, I was reading her books last night. You know, Mom, you gave them to me. And I was kind of hesitant because I was tired, but they're so candid and honest, and the dating parts are so funny. So they're really easy reads, and so pick them up and read them, and there's a lot of great information in there.
1: Absolutely. And thanks for listening to the show. And Heidi, and I want to remind you, if you've lost hope, lean on ours until you find your own again. God bless.
0: You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Doctors Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are they made it through and you can too as long as you're open to hope